Well, welcome listeners to uh, the year end Keep Kids Alive podcast. I'm Tom Everson. I'm the executive director and founder of Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, a nonprofit dedicated to traffic safety education. Our mission simply is to help make streets safer for all who walk, cycle, play, drive, and ride. And that's all of us. We've all heard of the 12 days of Christmas. Well, the Keep Kids Alive podcast is bringing you 10 lessons of safe roads to finish up the year. These lessons come from the generous individuals who've shared their stories in our past podcast. Like the ghost of Christmas past, let's look back at the lessons they've shared with us. Here are some thoughts from Shamiyam Mamashu Harris, who shares with us in remembrance of her sons, Jacoby and Chinyelu from episode 20. Well, I think one of the things that I kind of noticed about myself, I think I'm I'm kind of tough and resilient. And, and a lot of people go through a lot of things and stuff. And I've been through, a you know, a couple of things through, the, you know, this journey. But basically to still be able to do it and not fold, I'm very, very appreciative and happy about that. I know that some people that go through some of the things that I've went through and maybe other people have went through, they're not able to bounce back. I'm just really uh, surprised and grateful of how I've been able to be, you know, on the healing journey, you know, of this and to just look at things or whatever another way. It is what it is. And the things happen and they just happen. But when you can get through them and endure them, apparently it was bearable. That makes me think like, whoa, okay, then. If anybody can just kind of roll through some of the experiences that I've been through and still keep going and still be able to build and stay focused, I'm really happy about that. So I think that um, it's shown my resiliency skills are on point. You know, they grow and grow every day because, you know, some days it's it's tougher than most days. But to be able to bounce back is a. is a good thing. And to be able to be able to bounce back and have something that you can work on that can help you to heal that's good for the people, then that's really a plus. When we talk about Jacoby being the child that basically made me have just no fear in building and, and just doing everything. I'm not afraid of anybody saying no, you know, I'll still keep going. I mean, I'm just not like, okay, you know, and I'll just keep it moving. But my other son, Chinyelu, seven months ago on the 28th, he was murdered. He was 23 years old and his name means invincible. And I want to leave some of the, the last word to be invincible, be unbeatable, stay focused. It doesn't matter what happens in between. If you want something bad enough, if you want something for yourself bad enough, for your community bad enough, then you got to feel that you can't be beat. And that's what my son, Chinyelu, his spirit, is basically leveling up in my spirit as well. So on top of being fearless, I'm invincible too. So yeah, I just want to just let folks know to just stay focused, stay focused, have no fear and be invincible. Here's a lesson from Tom and Wendy Geltz, who shared about their daughter, Megan, in episode 15. We need to make distracted driving socially unacceptable, just like drunk driving is and and other things that, you know, that just aren't acceptable in today's society. And until that's the case, 
we're always going to have a problem with it. What I usually, you know, try to tell people is that if my message stops with those that are listening to this, I've, I've failed, you know, over the, over the past five years, I've kept a kind of a running total of approximately how many people that I've spoken to. And I've got it. It's not like 179,000 people. And that sounds like a tremendous amount of people. I mean, when you think about it, but how many people live in the United States? 345 million. So, you know, less than 200,000 is just a, a needle in the haystack. So if you're listening to this, please, please, you know, practice what you've heard. Tell your friends and family talk to them because you're going to get in a vehicle with somebody, either you're going to get a call or they're going to get a call or a text or a Facebook post or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. And it's going to be, it's an addiction. When Like Mitch was saying, you know, as soon as you hear that tone or you feel that vibration, you have to look at it. Heck, I'm still that way. I had to put my phone on airplane mode right now because if, if my kids texted me right now during this presentation, I would look at the phone. I'd look down at it because it's an addiction. I have to stop it. I work at a, a dental office and you would not believe the amount of kids that cannot, they, they have a cell phone in their lap. You're working on them and they still have to, as soon as that text comes through, you can just tell they're, they are itching to grab it and look at who, who it was that, that messaged them. It's kind of sad that it, they have that addiction to it so much that they need to look immediately. And now Laura Carney joins us to share some memories of her father, Mick, in episode 13. Well, I, th I, th I think that's the meat of life. I mean, my dad always said life is lived in the little moments. My brother loves that quote of his. And the big shift in me, I think, I mean, a couple things. I, I've changed drastically doing this project these, these past three years now. I think probably the biggest shift in me is just my my definition of a successful life. And, and what you're describing to me right now, that's what it is. It's just these moments of connection with the people we love. Because when you're gone, I mean, that's that's what your legacy is. It's it's how you touched other people. It's not, you know, how much money did I make? What was I successful at? And, you know, when I was 25 and this happened, and I think this is a very uniquely young person's problem, actually. I just was in this mode of, I need to prove myself to the world. You know, like, like, what am I? I need something to prove to me that I matter, that I'm good at something. And I remember thinking, God, my dad died and he probably was unhappy with, with his achievements in life because, you know, he was creative and he was always going from one job to the next and one new idea to the next. And he was a writer, but the book he had written hadn't been published. And you know, he used to tell us all the time, these ideas he had for like TV pilots, you know, <laughs> like, and I would just be like, I can't you be normal. <laughs> but in retrospect, now that I've been finishing these dreams that went unfinished, which I think when I was 38 and found the list, I still had a little bit of that in me. I still had a little bit of, boy, he died not being, you know, successful, not having accomplished what he wanted. Now that I've been doing them all and, and it really has afforded me these wonderful opportunities to connect with both people I already love and and new friends, people who just show up to help me. I've come to understand, no, my dad did die successful. He did die feeling like he had a wonderful life because everybody loved him. He really authentically connected with everyone he met. He used to say to me all the time, 
that my brother and I were the best thing he'd ever done. And I had this, what, like this lunch with him, I guess a few months before he died, before I moved to New York, where he said to me that someone had told him they'd run into my brother or me and how kind we were. And he just said that was what made him the proudest of us. Cause I, I think that that's probably the hardest thing to do as a parent is to raise children who you feel like are genuinely kind to other people. And, and you're just proud of who they are as a person, not so much like, you know, what, what they've accomplished in the world. So I think he'd be very happy to hear me saying this right now, but that, that is what I finally learned that life is all about. And now Lily Trujillo and Lori Armageddo join us from episode 21 in remembrance of Valentina and Bethany. I decided that I was going to let no parent to lose a child to something that's 100% preventable, like a street race. But I didn't know how until they started asking me to go to go to schools and talk. Within months, I started talking to schools. First time I spoke at a school after the person that talked about drugs and alcohol, I came out smiling for the first time. And I knew in that moment that, that was the way I was going to make sure that that would never be in vain. And I will speak about the dangers of illegal street racing among the youth. I actually, I had um, the kids, they were crying. They came and hugged me. They came and told me I will never do that. I will never do that. I'll be careful who I get in the car with. I mean, just the things that they were telling me. And it was like, wow. And I actually had therapy because I had to see a therapist, of course. And when I went to a therapist, she's like, what's wrong? She didn't see me sad, you know? And I was telling her, oh my God, I did this and I did that. The next assembly, I had pictures of the funeral. The next assembly, I had a logo and I named her organization Street Racing Kills. I um, didn't think that I was going to be able to move forward from something like this. Knowing all the details, they said this was a hit and run. So I interviewed everybody and talked to a lot of folks to try to figure out what happened that day and just get a better understanding how she lost her life. I wanted to be mad at somebody. I was so angry that I needed to be mad at somebody. And when I talked to the neighbors, they had complained to the city about a lot of people racing on that street, a lot of people doing donuts and, you know, doing just things that they shouldn't be doing on that residential street. And they had asked for speed bumps and they had asked for stop signs because it was a two-way stop, not a four-way. So Bethany was going through her side, no stop sign, and he ran the stop sign. So I firmly believe that there was a stop sign he would have went right past her. Or if there was a speed bump, there was no way he would be going almost 100 miles per hour when he hit her and she may have survived. So we went to a town hall meeting on behalf of Bethany. We spoke and we talked about her death and we asked the city to make some changes so that nobody else had to go through what we were going through. It's there that I met Lily. This is a week after Bethany's crash. And, uh, we're speaking and Lily's there with her street racing signs and she's, you know, she speaks and she's just like, this can't happen. You know, nobody needs to go through this. This is hundred percent preventable. And I turn around and look at her and I knew that I wanted to do something. I knew that I wanted to make a difference, but I was, uh, I was going through the grieving process and it was really hard for me. So Lily gave me her card and I looked at her and I'm like, I'm going to call you. You know, one of these days I'm going to call you. I don't know when, but I'm going to call you. And Lily tells me, I knew you were going to call me. I just didn't know when. And I was hoping that you would call me. And I feel like our, our angels brought us together to do this because 
a couple months after I spoke at the day of remembrance for Lily's uh, daughter's passing. So she passed away on December 7th. And I shared my story for the first time um, with an audience of folks. I, I cried the whole time, but I shared my story for the first time. And it was the first time that I really um, felt some sense of peace, you know, because I know when we buried Bethany, I promised her that I was going to keep her memory alive. And I promised her that her death was not going to be in vain. And so when Lily gave me the opportunity, I knew that I could make a difference. And now Kayla Miller and her mother, Sherry, join us from episode 12 in remembrance of her brother and Sherry's son, Bobby. I had a thought about the just the weekend in general. And what I remember is that all of these families are in different stages and it's been more time or less time than the person sitting next to you since you lost your loved one. So I think that's really helpful for all of us to kind of be there as listening ears and understanding for families where maybe they lost their loved one six months ago. You know, and for us to see someone who it's been 15 years and just to have that opportunity to continue to talk about them and share our stories, because it's it's a hard topic that a lot of people don't want to hear about or don't know how to listen to or what to say. But everyone in that room is there to support you and understands what you're going through. And that's something like like my mom said, a lot of people don't have access to and to see a positive outlook on, you know, a new lifestyle that you can embrace to honor your loved one is really encouraging, I think. So meeting some of the families there that had, you know, young children who just lost their sibling, I try to make a point to to talk to them as a an older role model type person who's not really an adult adult, <laughs> but can, you know, can be there to sympathize with them and let them talk about their sibling, you know, as a friend or something. So I just think that's so important to just have all those people of different walks of life and see how they're managing and, and just have that connection is really good. I wanted to say that about Buckle Up for Mommy. That whole organization, I think, was my own way of coping because I'm a doer and I had to do something to help me get through my own grief. And the only thing I could think of was to organize a movement and get started. And I really didn't ask permission or ask my family what they thought. <laughs> I just started it and they all jumped in at, at different levels along the way. But I, I think each of our children has walked their own walk they've had their own journey and they've supported us when they could or when they felt like it was the right thing to do and sometimes they chose not to and and that's completely 100 percent okay there's no right or wrong way to grieve nobody can tell you this is how you do it we all have to find our own way we all are on that journey but each of us is taking a different path we can lend a hand to somebody else and help them walk that journey. Sangeeta and Sunil Badlani join us from New Jersey in episode 18 in remembrance of their son, Nikhil. 
the reason we went into great detail with our story is because I wanted them to hear the pain that we go through every day. You know, the pain and guilt of outlearning a child. And that is every parent's worst nightmare. So I'd like for the listeners to follow their rules of the road. There's no call or message that is important that you have to be on the phone, you're behind the wheel. And to know that your actions behind the wheel have negative consequences. So by following all these safe driving practices, you know, we will save lives. Um, what I would like the listeners to do is to write or call their legislators right now. We are campaigning for zero traffic deaths by 2050. This was a resolution that was introduced by Senator Blumenthal and Shokpaski. Uh, and it was introduced on July 27th, but we need many more to co-sponsor this resolution. So I would really encourage everyone to get a call their legislators to have them sign up as a co-sponsor for this resolution. And if you are a legislator and listening to this podcast, I want them to know that traffic deaths are a public health crisis, you know, and they really need to take action now. So during COVID, we've been reminded again and again that each life is precious. And the only acceptable number on our roadways of traffic death is zero. So if it's not zero, then who are we willing to lose? This is not a sexy topic. Nobody really wants to dwell too much on it because they think it's not going to happen to me till it does. I mean, we, we lose as many people to traffic deaths as to cancer, maybe. Breast cancer is about 30,000 a year. That's about the same third. The numbers go between 30 and 40,000 nationally a year, which is just way too high. We don't lose that many people to war every year. If there was, if you lose even a tenth of a, of the number, there'll be a big, huge cry if it happens in a plane crash, for example. But, you know, this is just another mode of transportation. There's no reason for us to lose our loved ones just because people aren't either following the rules of the road or just common sense. Pam O'Donnell joins us from Aon, New Jersey, in honor and remembrance of her daughter, Bridget, and her husband, Tim, from episode 14. When a tragedy such as this happens, it's monumental for us because sadly, I have to live with the fact that if my cancer comes back, I may leave my daughter parentless. And some may say, well, it was the cancer that did that. When in reality, it was the 100% preventable car crash that did that. I wish people would just be a little bit more kind, appreciate life more, appreciate the relationships that they have more. You know, I look at life in a different perspective because I've lost so much and I could possibly lose so much if my cancer comes back. Every day is a fight. And one thing though is, Robin Roberts had a book out. She's the Good Morning America co-host called Everybody's Got Something. We all have something. No story is bigger or worse or more important than anybody else. Because what might be minute to one is on a grander scale to someone else. And if people took the time 
to understand that we would be in a much better place in this world. People are having fights over politics and, you know, really, it's okay to disagree with somebody, but let's be kind about it. We're all human. We all bleed red and we all have something going on in our lives. Some people like me, I can't shut up about what happened. I, that's just my personality. I hope to save some lives. Other people deal with it quietly and you have to respect that. Just a little bit more respect goes a long, long way. And if just people would sit back and cherish what's in their life. One thing I do think if they don't like something, say something. If, it, if they are silent, then they're complicit. And that goes in any aspect. If you are in an unhappy marriage, then try to work at it. If you are in a job that you don't like, change it. Because at any minute, our lives can end. And, you know, if you don't do something to change it, then, then you know, you're just being complicit in your, whether it's your self-misery or self-loathing or, I just appreciate life more because I know how precious it is. And I don't want my daughter to... My daughter is now 11. She was six when it happened. And it's weird to say this, but I feel like my daughter is much, much more mature than most adults. And she had to grow up really, really fast. Saying goodbye to her mom that was supposed to die. Then had a great year. And then next thing you know, her, her life was shattered. And I can't be more proud of what she's doing. She's doing great in school. But there's a mountain of therapy, psychiatrists, counseling. And, you know, we just, I just wish everybody would have a little bit more kindness for each other. Vince Pusick from Colorado Springs, Colorado, joins us for episode 19 in honor and memory of his sister, Janie. I think there's a value in learning our own family histories for ourselves. And I think that it's important for us to know sort of that collective journey that our family has made. But in these devastating events, what you provide is what we need, an opportunity to support each other, be heard without in some ways even having to speak a word that we know that we share a common experience. One of the things that I really think is important is the perseverance that my mother, my father, and my siblings have and had. I mean, I just think that there are opportunities to heal. And I think that what you provide is part of that healing process. I think opening up that space so that people can come there and really feel that they're not alone. They don't even have to share a word, but they can feel a sense of belonging. Even though the experiences may be different, there are similarities when you bring people together like that. And I think there's a great comfort in what you're offering people. My mother would never carry on as a mother should, I don't think. She had just lost her uh, second born child, her oldest daughter, and that was going to be a profound impact uh, from that day forward. So I think that, you know, in terms of final thoughts connected to that is we need to give and this is probably just a statement for everybody. Uh, we need to give each other more grace than we often do. 
we don't know. And I don't know how that grief and that mourning manifests itself in my siblings. I have probably stepped on toes and overstepped my boundaries in some ways in talking with them. We can never know the intent of a question or the intent of a piece of writing. What I want to try and do is memorialize my family and Janie's in particular, although all the, all the people are accident again, beyond the tragedy being their legacy. It's really hard to do now because people who know their stories more fully are not here. My uh, oldest brother is. He's a little reticent to talk about things. So I think in answer to uh, your question about that uh, article and the final thoughts is I think we need to come to each other with grace and compassion and empathy. I think that I in particular need to be very mindful of my curiosity may not be aligned with somebody else's willingness to talk about things. And I think it's through that love and grace that we can bring to each other and respect that uh, we are able to persevere and that we are able to, I think, just uh, love each other. Shelley Forney joins us from Fort Collins, Colorado, in honor and memory of her daughter, Erica, from episode 17. Don't talk and drive. You know, it is so vital for people to see the value in those few seconds of distraction. Literally all it took was three seconds for this driver that hit my daughter. And you know what? We didn't talk about her at all. But what I can tell you is it impacted her greatly. Obviously, this was not an intentional thing. She didn't intend on hitting my my, my daughter. It was an accident, but it was 100% preventable. So it's not an accident. Accidents are not preventable. It was a crash. And I learned that. I learned that my friend David Teeter taught me that um, there is a difference between those two things. Has it impacted her life? Her one choice, her one decision? Yes. I was told she was a bubbly, happy lady. She was not, by the way, she wasn't young. She was 36. The driver was 36. I hit my daughter. She had a one and two-year-old boy and girl. We did not know her. And she worked full-time as a PT, as a physical therapist. So I was told she was this happy, bubbly lady. And afterwards that she just, you know, became reclusive and, and everything went inward. So she did not serve any jail time. Um, she had to do community service as a punishment. And I think she might have t- had to take a defensive driving course. So as for like her punishment, there wasn't much of one. We had empathy for her and we felt bad for her. So we didn't push for any of that. But I'm, I'm bringing her up as an example that, you know, if you don't think about the choices you make before you get in your vehicle and you think that one quick little phone call at that that red light isn't going to make that big a deal. Well, when it turns green, you're still going to go and not going to, you're not going to hang up on the person on the other end of the call. And you have no idea how far down the road, what's going to happen if you stay on that phone call or you continue texting. Our story is an example of what happens when people make that choice. And so I, I ask people to, to sign a pledge to themselves. You can print one out. The National Safety Council has pledges. There's all kinds of websites out there that have pledges you can print out that it's a commitment pledge to yourself and to others that you're committing to driving cell phone free, not hands free, but cell phone free. Meaning once you get into your car, that phone, you turn it off, you put it in your glove box, you put it in your trunk, you make the, the decision, turn the ringer off so you're not tempted by hearing that ring and you're going to focus on the drive and nothing more. So you can get safely from point A to point B. And remember, it is an, it's not just about you, it's about everyone on the roadway. 
driving is a privilege and we need to respect it. And we need to respect every life out there that would be impacted by our choices if they're not good choices. So make good choices. Commit to being a cell phone free driver. Remember my daughter, Erica, when you see peacocks and sun, sunflowers and owls and the, the bright life that she lived and that she still has a purpose and it's still being shown today through mama and, and what I'm doing in her honor. Amy Cohen, in remembrance of her son, Sammy, and Lindsay Ganson, in honor of her father, Hutch, join us for episode 16. Together, Amy and Lindsay represent families for safe streets. Assume that, you know, I don't know, some kind of heroic person or something. And I will share that I am inherently incredibly shy. If you had asked me years ago if I would ever do something like this, speak to the press, to an elected official, I would have said, oh, no way. I am too intimidated. And, you know, I, I think when the worst thing happens to you, you feel like you have nothing else to lose. But, but also I have Sandy living inside of me. You know, I shared that he was such a fighter. He got up on his bike and he finished the ride. He fought for his life. They told us, you know, it didn't look good. And he, and he fought and he tried to live for six hours. It, it, you know, he couldn't make it. But I... I have him inside of me and I am fighting for him. I mean, just in his curiosity and his um, ability to continue to learn. And I think a lot has changed in the world of of traffic safety and um, how we approach the the tactics that we use to to keep people safe. And I think there's an important conversation happening nationally about the traffic stops and enforcement. I think just my father has really inspired me to continue to evolve and learn and listen and focus on the the best solutions and continue to push for for change. Finally, Malika Pryor, who is coordinating our GM-funded project in Highland Park, Michigan, joins us with a summary of just how great an impact addressing traffic safety can have on a community. A friendly reminder of anybody that ever thinks about, I mean, I think it's hard for anybody at least out loud to say, well, who cares about safe driving? I mean, I think at this point, at least the average American was at the very least coming of age with MAD, right? And the movements against drunk driving and texting was not a thing when I was coming of age, so I'm aging myself right now. But I definitely remember um, the onset, right, of texting while of the, of the campaign around texting while driving. I mean, even legislation, right, going into effect to mitigate for folks doing that because it's just such a dangerous practice. So I don't think anybody ever say it's a bad idea. But I think that sometimes these kinds of activations end up being placed a little bit lower on the priority list because we're often thinking about. You know, in a city like Highland Park, that is such an economically depressed community, it's like, oh, we've got to deal with remediation. We've got to deal with crime. We've got to deal with income disparities. And all of that is incredibly important. The odd thing about perhaps the beautiful thing about traffic calming is that if it's if, if it's strategized in a really holistic and smart way, you can do that. You can literally reduce crime via traffic calming, beautify communities, which makes people more likely to utilize them appropriately and less likely to, to violate and vandalize. You can bring new business 
into your community by engaging traffic colony strategically and reduce crimes. And if you reduce petty crimes, you reduce major crimes because people don't start off committing major crimes. They start off committing smaller crimes. And if you can mitigate smaller crimes, people are far less likely to think that it's okay to do those larger crimes because what makes them feel comfortable doing that is that they just don't think anybody's around, anybody's looking, and that there's going to be any kind of consequence because nobody cares. So a space that appears cared for and is being thought about is a space for people that want to do their dirty deeds are just not going to feel comfortable or safe. (laughs) Um, Heavy quotations engaging in that kind of nefarious behavior. And so traffic calming has the potential to solve or at least contribute really actively and deeply to a number of challenges that cities like Highland Park find themselves facing. And so in some ways, by um, feeding this one seemingly small bird, we have the potential to to feed others that feel much more daunting and and large and, 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 and overbearing and threatening. And that's also one of the reasons why I'm so incredibly passionate about traffic coming, not just for the basic save lives, which is should be enough. But then on top of that, it has the potential to do all of these other things um, that have been proven in city after city, town after town. And so I think that's just the one thing that I would that I would add that traffic comedy is so much more than just people driving slower. It's really about making your neighborhood the kind of place where where you want to live and where and where others will want to live and shop and, and engage. I want to thank all our listeners and all our supporters of Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 and our mission throughout the United States. 2021 has proven to be a year where many amazing opportunities uh, came to light for us, both in working with communities to help establish new Keep Kids Alive campaigns that work to engage and educate residents on being frontline solutions to the problems that we cause when it comes to traffic. We're the ones who speed, we're the ones who tailgate, we're the ones who won't put our cell phones down, we're the ones who run stop signs, and so many other behaviors that impact what happens on and along roadways. Some of the highlights of this year has certainly included the 10 episodes of the Keep Kids Alive podcast that we have been able to air in conjunction with our partners Weberized here in Omaha, Nebraska. We thank everybody who has contributed their wisdom, their direction, their care, their compassion to each and every episode of the Keep Kids Alive podcast. 2021 also saw us introduce hashtag safe roads for Rogi. Rogi is our uh, Corgi mascot who has a traffic safety wisdom message that drops every Wednesday on the Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 Facebook page. Has his own page dedicated to his efforts or his mission on the uh, Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 website. And we also are grateful that uh, we were able to gather once again this year on Pikes Peak with our Live Forward families who gather each year to honor loved ones who have died in traffic incidents, to celebrate uh, the goodness that they brought into the world and to keep that goodness going and growing for the benefit of everyone who is touched by their lives. These families and their loved ones inform our mission and help to give direction to our mission each and every day. And a great way to honor loved ones, maybe the loved ones right in your own home, would be to make a donation to Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. You can do a year-end donation at our website, keepkidsalivedrive25.org, or kkad25.org is the abbreviated web address. 
But know that your support financially is appreciated all year long because that keeps our mission going and growing. And a reminder that your generous giving keeps kids of all ages living. Know that we at Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 appreciate you listening to our podcast throughout the year for all the efforts that you bring to bear fruit in your local communities to engage residents, neighbors, in making streets safer for all who walk, cycle, play, drive, and ride. And know, too, that we're well aware that the most we can say and the least we can say are captured in the same two words. Thank you. We look forward to you joining us again in 2022.